And we're back for the sixth episode of our weekly podcast, Home at Advantage. I'm Sam Herring, accompanied by Jude Swisher. Are you ready to uh, recap the U.S. Open, Jude? I'm so ready. So, guys, um, the U.S. Open, it happened this past weekend, and uh, half a final X has decided. It was by far the most entertaining U.S. Open that I've ever watched. Um, this The freestyle season has officially started, um, and it is not slowing down. I'd like to remind our listeners... Uh, to send us questions, comments, concerns, you know, we have an email, hmatadvantage at gmail.com. We have a Twitter, h at hma underscore pod. Sam, I say let's get right into this recap. Let's jump right in. Let's start at 57 kilograms. Um, one of the biggest matches that happened early earlier in the tournament uh, in the semifinals was Gilman Tomasello. Um, it was... A brawl fest, mm-hmm. um, just with all the clubs and everything. Uh, Gilman riled NATO with the clubs. NATO was not ready to handle um, those heavy hands from Gilman. Um, he just, he was not ready for that, to be sure. Um, and it really separated Gilman and Fix from the rest of the field um, at 57. It was, it just showed that it's all Fix Gilman now. Right. And for, so for those of you who don't know, um, in the match, Gilman and Nato. Uh, Gilman won because Nato gave up uh, three cautions, I believe, um, and so he was disqualified. Um, but the score was like eight zero. It w- what was the score, Sam? It was it was it eight zero um, before he was DQ'd? Yeah, so I'll check real quick just to um, be sure of everything. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, let's see, it was eight zero. You're right. Um, and then 9-0, and then there's a DQ. Yeah. So, but, you know, this what this match really shows is just the, the separation, like, Gilman and Fix are from the field. And, I mean, I guess, like, um, Fix had a really tight one with Cruz, and um, Fix was even losing to Rougeau. Let's, um, let's talk about Fix and Rougeau. Let's do that. So, um, um. The, the match, the final score of the match was 16-6. Uh, Dayton Fix detect Arujo, um, and it started off with they were they were wrestling, and right on the edge Arujo threw Dayton for four. Then they go right back to the center, and he gets a quick takedown. And so Fix ends this first period losing six zero, and then um, in the second period he ended up scoring sixteen points and attacking him. Um, what are your thoughts on that match, Sam? Absolutely insane match. Um, it was so entertaining to watch the way that it happened. It was just a quick four-point, and it was a great ga- game plan from the Cornell staff. Um, I could tell he walked in there with a game plan, and he was um, continuing to strive to execute that game mm-hmm. plan. Who with is that body lock when he lifted him up to eliminate Dayton Fix's inside trip? Um, and then that shot right off the whistle, that low double, where he chased mm-hmm. the corner, was so quick and so slick. Who was in his corner for that match? Uh, for Arujal Fix? Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, but yeah, he he had all the pieces in the puzzle. He, he Basically, he was right where you wanted to be, you know, when you're wrestling Dayton Fix, going into the you know second period up by six. Um, but the problem is, his gas tanks is just not—it's not where it is. It's it not where it should be. 
um, he had this awesome game plan. It was all it was all thought out, and he was executing it. But he couldn't he couldn't complete it just because of his gas tank. He was very very worn out by the end of the match. Totally hmm. agree. Um, let's see. I think another match we should talk about is the final Fix Gilman. Maybe we should. Okay. Um, so Fix beat Thomas Gilman, world team member, beat him eight to four. Um, Sam, what are your thoughts on that match? Yeah, so the match went down um, two step outs for Fix, and then it goes into the break. Uh, pretty boring to say. First mm-hmm. period. Just, just two step outs. There was some heavy clubbing. Um, there was just a technical hand fighting battle going on. But in the second period is when the action really came. It started out by a couple shots from Gilman, um, and then Fix fending him off with a whizzer, a tight, tight whizzer. And then on the third shot attempt from Gilman, he stepped over to throw Legan on the far side, and Fix did like a forward roll similar to a Jonesy tw- tilt. And mm-hmm. um, scored a takedown from that, which was super, super risky. Uh, he left it up to the refs to decide if it was his move or Gilman's. But he ended up getting the getting the two. Um, and then Gilman got in on another leg and chased the corner. Gilman lost his wizard, and then he was into a quad pod position. Um, and the ref called a takedown, but Fix's left knee appeared to hit Gilman's right leg as they went out of bounds. After review, the call stood, and Gilman led 4-4 on criteria. Fix then scored a takedown with 20 seconds remaining and added another at the buzzer. Um, and just a quick recap of that match, I, I believe Fix's leg attacks are really here. Um, he was yeah. able to get in on leg, and he was able to score from there. People also, talk about how Fix doesn't have leg attacks, but um, they're coming. His leg attacks are here. Also, he was able to stop, what would you say, four? Maybe like four different shots from Gilman. Like his yeah. defense is outstanding, um, especially with that incredibly tight wizard. You know, just these these young guys coming up. So like Dayton Fix and Yanni, but like they just have these new abilities that are, it's just shocking people. So for example, um, like the shoulder roll from like when he threw in the leg on the opposite side. Like it's super risky, but it, it played out, and that's not something that. It's, like, not common defense, right? Right. That's all I got. Um, yeah, and I totally agree that um, these younger kids, uh, and it's funny I'm saying younger kids, but the uh, the younger wrestlers on the freestyle scene now, and as we get further into it, you'll see just how many um, college-age kids or um, who have just graduated are really making a splash on the freestyle scene and just the training that they're able to get. And the feels that they're able to get from from the college wrestling and the college coaches are starting to figure this uh, freestyle out for the younger kids. Yeah. All right. Sam, what was your favorite match from 57? From 57, um, I'm going to have to say it was Fix Gilman. Um, just because of the, the technical battle that goes on um, in that match. It's a certain match that fascinates me with two guys that are just so heavy on the head. But um, Fix start, started, it was starting to lay off the clubs and was starting to stick more to, like, the inside ties mm-hmm. and the elbow control that, is, um, that Oklahoma State is more known for. Um, and it was, it was a little bit surprising after their two matches at Final X where it was just 
um, fix clubbing, Gilman clubbing, both of them really going hard for underhooks. It was just a really physical match. Mm-hmm. But this time it was more Gilman um, on the physical side and Fix was staying calm um, right. and just focusing on the little techniques in that match. So yeah, so Fix, obviously, he went into that match with a game plan because he knew Gilman was going to come after him. And um, and I think maybe Gilman expected it to be a lot more like the previous match. But um, Fix, really, he like he was unfazed by the physicality of Gilman this time. He didn't let it get to him. He stayed in really, really good position and got to his tie-ups. So my favorite match was um, probably Gilman Nato. I'm just gonna say, um, just because of how far, like it just shows how far separated Dayton Fix and Thomas Gilman f- from the field. Like it, we really have outlined, like these are the best two guys um, in the bracket, or I guess yeah, in the country. So yeah, for sure, and. Um... I can't wait to see who else will sign up for the World Team Trials. Um, mm-hmm. I don't believe Spencer Lee would, but there's always a possibility that Spencer Lee is up for uh, the World Team Trials because he is already qualified because of his national title. Right. Um, yeah. Mm. Um, Let's move on to 61 kilos. Okay. Um, Let's... Matches to discuss would maybe be uh, Megalodus Clark to start. Uh, it was a It was a great match where... Clark had actually beaten Megalutis last year, but um, this year Megalutis showed up with something else. He showed up, uh, fired up. His hand fighting was right on point. He had a nice elbow control, shot to an um, outside single, kind of like an outside step. Um, and he continued to shoot, continued to shoot, and he kept the pace high. He was super fun to mat- watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and his match with Clark especially kind of showed He's showing up with something else. Oh, yeah, especially. Um, and if you would see, like, during the match, um, like, did, especially the, the ankle lace, like, you could see on Clark's face that he was just in pain because that thing was so tight. So tight. Um, but Nico really, he, he really, um, he didn't take anything from Corey. He just, he got to his attacks and he got to his extremely tight ankle lace. Um, nice little revenge win for Nico Megalutis. Um, the other, the other match we should talk about is the final. Um, Megalutis Brewer, or I guess Brewer Megalutis, because in, in going into the second period, I believe with less than a minute left, Nico Megalutis was leading by four. It was yeah, four. So it yeah, was. Four. Uh, it was. A takedown for Megalutis with 41 seconds to go in the first. And then mm-hmm. he got a push out like 15 seconds in in the second right. period. And then uh, 15 seconds later, 30, minute, 30 seconds into the second period, Cody Brewer threw him for four and yeah. stuck him right there. Yeah, it was, it was insane. And, you know, Brewer just, he had all, he just had this up his sleeve. It kind of seems to me like, yeah, it, it it was a desperation in the sense, like, if he didn't throw him and pin him, I think Megalutis was just going to stay all over his legs. Um, and I didn't think Brewer was going to get a chance to, to get, like, a uh, like a leg attack or a takedown. Um, but feet to back, was I think, was definitely the way to go here. For sure. Um, that, was, um, that was really fascinating because it was just starting to look like Megalutis had figured it out. And um, he's scoring over and over again. 
Right. And he's right there to win the match <laughs> two and a half minutes. Um, and he's up big. Um, and he's still dominating. He's still continuing. I believe he was in on a shot or close to. Um, it was in front of his legs when when he got thrown. Mm-hmm. So he was he's setting himself up really well to be at the top tier um, with that attack rate, but he's also setting himself up for a guy like Brewer to throw him with the attack rate. Um, yeah. So it's kind of a risky game to play with just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. But I believe it's it's the right way to go, and it's right. very very entertaining to watch that. I agree. So I think my favorite match from '61 was um, Nico almost teching Corey Clark with that. You know, incredibly tight ankle ace. Um, I think this is my favorite match because I just like to see Nico get that uh, that revenge win. Um, Sam, what was your favorite sure. match? Um, well, mine was the finals. Megalodus Brewer was. It was just really, really fun to watch. Just the fact that it was Megalodus scoring, then it was Brewer with the big throw, and you always knew Brewer had that in his arsenal. Um, and so you were kind of waiting for Brewer to hit something. But then he wasn't hitting it. Megalodus continued to score. Right. And he started to think, like, Brewer was not going to win this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brewer came with a big throw. It was beautiful. Um, just a really, really fun match to watch. It was great. So, um, let's see. Sam, what was your biggest, like, surprise from the 61 bracket and how it played out? Yeah, so mine would probably be uh, Joey Palmer. Now, i got to be honest. I've never heard of Joey Palmer before. Sorry, he Joey. Came into the U.S. Open. As the 10 scene, he went in there and beat DeShazer, Graf, Ramos, and Graf again. I mean, that is a tough run right there. And he ended for up sure. taking third um, as the 10 seed. Um, what a tournament for, for Joey Palmer. Yeah, it was insane. I think my biggest surprise um, was probably Nico getting pinned by Brewer. Like, I don't think anyone thought at that point, like, Brewer was going to get to his legs and get takedowns or something. So Brewer really, um, he really, he, he went for it and it paid off, you know. So good on him. Good for him. So, yeah. Sam, who, who stays, oh, sorry, you go. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. Who, What's your question? Who stays on top for, um, who's going to represent us at world? So now that we've, you know, we've, re- we've seen some tournaments wrestled um, and we, I, we've got to see a bunch of these guys. Um, yeah, so, who uh, stays on top? Well, I believe that Megalutis um, and Brewer are great wrestlers. I do not see them in there for the world team. I think it's Cologne Nation um, are at the top, but I believe Cologne will be our guy, um, even though Nation really dominated him the last two matches at Final X last year. Mm-hmm. I still believe um, that. Cologne is the best guy in the country at this weight. I think either Cologne or Nashon, one of them. I, I don't think that either of them are going to lose to Nico or Brewer. Um, it's going to be between those two. Yeah, okay. Sure. Let's go into 65 because, oh boy, uh, it was all time. It was one of the hardest brackets, U.S. Open brackets we've ever seen. It was crazy. Um. But the big story here is one Yanni Diakamahalis. And um, it's still up in the air whether he's even human or not because uh, he 
had a crazy road, one of the toughest roads in the bracket, and he just got it done. He wrestled um, Nick Dardanes, Frank Molinero, Jordan Oliver, and Zane Rutherford, um, and he came out on top. It was it was incredible. Sam, what do you think about our Yanni Diakamahalas? Oh my goodness, you said it right when uh, you said it's up in the air that he's uh, human. Um, there's not much evidence saying that he is human. No, nope, not much. He claims he is, but no, not believing it. Um, something interesting about his tournament was his closest matches were in the finals against Zane when he beat him 6-4, and his first match against uh, Corey Shy when mm-hmm. he beat him 7-4. I just attribute that to him not really being warmed up, yeah. you know. But I, I don't agree. I don't think I it was that big of a deal. Yeah. Bookends. Well, um, but my goodness, Yanni Diakamahalas. He looked so amazing, and I feel so bad for um for not believing in him. But at the same time, he didn't really prove that he was there any time before this. But let me tell you, he's here. He here beat up Frank Molinaro, um, ten to three, and then Tech Jordan Oliver, sixteen to five. Yeah. Um, his teammate, Jordan Oliver. His defense to leg attacks is unreal what he can do. Frank Molinero had his leg up on Frank Molinero's head. Like, completely it was, shelf. It was insane. And he had him right on the out-of-bounds line. And Yanni was able to jump up and pivot and turn Molinero to the point where he was stepping up. He was it like was a matador. It was crazy. Um, so, I think, like, clearly... Yanni, um, he's, he's like rising to the top of this, this mess of competitors at 65. But I think the, where we get to see where he like lines up on like a world scale, um, it's going to be this weekend at Beat the Streets when he wrestles Bajarang, um, the Indian guy. The most recent match um, was, I believe, at the Dan Kolov about a month, month ago, month and a half maybe, when I believe it was 8-6 finals, J.O. up 6-0. And then Bajring just broke him. And it was to the point where uh, J.O. was struggling to breathe. <laughs> it, it was um, not good to watch from an American standpoint, but man, am I excited for Yanni to wrestle him. And I want to see what Yanni can do against the best guys in the world. Yeah. Oh, same. Same here. Um, let's see. Sam, who's going to stay on top here? Who's going to be our representative for Worlds at 65? Man, um, I mean, after this weekend, there's nobody that really wasn't at the U.S. Open that we're looking at uh, with Steber retiring. Um, I got to say Yanni um, until proven otherwise. I got to say Yanni. And I believe Zane or J.O. has a chance of coming back and beating him. But no way I'm going to say that after watching what Yanni just did this weekend. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, it's not... Like, even though he teched J.O., I wouldn't say that. Like, it was it was a super close match. Just, J.O. got out of position on several several different times. And it seemed to me, like, he didn't, like, the la- very last gut, or ankle ace, kind of seemed to me like he just rolled over. It, it wasn't like a fighting it as hard as he could. So I don't think J.O. was ex- that upset. Um, it didn't seem like he put it all out there, is what I'm trying to say. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, um, yeah, so I want to ask you a question real quick. 
Okay. Whoever makes our world team, who do you believe has the best style or will do the best at Worlds? Hmm. I I'm gonna think it's Zane. But really? No, that's not true. I'm gonna pick Yanni. Just okay. because his style is it's so different compared to like anything anyone's ever seen before. And it just completely surprises people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's gonna be his key. And also, he's impossible to game plan for. Just he it's you can't do it because <laughs> he, he finds ways to score um, in all positions. And he can turn positions that don't look very good for him into positions, you know, where he ends up capitalizing. So I think I'll and pick if Yanni. anyone has a partner to, uh, to train for Yanni, it's Zane. Uh, if I'm Zane, I'm training with Nolf every day to kind of every feel, day. feel out that um, just craziness. Um, to prepare for Yanni, but um, yeah, I would have to say it's Yanni just because he's, um, I mean, he's just getting started. He's got so much room for improvement still um, as a 20 year old. And right. uh, like, like he said in his interview this weekend, he was like, yeah, I did great. I've got great leg, leg defense, but um, guys got to my legs way too much. Oh yeah. And if I want to win a world title, um, that can't be happening. And so he's got so much room for improvement. If he can stop guys from getting to his legs, I mean, that dude's not getting scored on. Yeah, I agree. I would have to say it's Yanni. And Zane has been at the world level, and he did not place. Um, he couldn't beat Rashidov. J.O. couldn't beat um, Bajrang. I just think he's unproven still, and I think he will probably be our best shot as of now. Well, let's see. Let's move on to 70. Let's do that. So, in our matches to discuss, I think what we should say is um, Ryan Deacon is extremely, extremely inconsistent. Um, yes, yes. I remember yes. at the very beginning of the, the collegiate season when everyone was like, oh, can Ryan Deacon go with Jason Nolf? Can he go with him? I think he can. Um, but then, like, he got majored, I think. He got taken down mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again. It was just messy. Um, but here, Ryan Deacon, he beat Le'Veon Mays, Jason Chamberlain, Alex Pan- Alec Pantelio, and James Green. Um, crazy. They, we had no reason to believe that Deacon would do this. Um, in our preview last week, I went back and listened to it. We didn't even say Deacon's name. You know? So, what do you That's think about incredible. that? Um... Just insane what Deacon has been able to do, um, and it's been pointed out that Deacon in folk style, where he did not do amazing this season, mm-hmm. he was getting beat straight off of takedowns. It's not like he was getting turned, getting ridden, couldn't get off the bottom or anything like that. It was all just him getting taken down and taken down and taken down. And then he shows up freestyle season, and he's a monster who's beating James Green, a world silver medalist. Right. Um. And he's beaten Yanni at the U.S. Open in 2017. Um, I mean, I don't know what's going on with Deacon, but if he can figure this out, um, he's going to be a force to be reckoned with. For sure. For sure. So the other thing we should talk about is uh, Nolf and Green. Um, so let's see. Nolf was winning 6-4 with 
like 10 seconds left. About. Yeah, I'll check it out real quick. Yeah. 10 seconds left, and he gave up a takedown. Um, Green was coming at him super hard, and he got in on the legs in a double, I believe. But what happened was Nolf didn't... He, ga- he gave up the takedown, and he was right on the edge. And it appeared to us like he actually turned away, and he turned it down, as opposed to just giving a step out. Um, it might be the camera angle, but it looks like Nolf just gave up a takedown with 10 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do you think yeah, about so, that, Sam? Um, I looked it up. He, he gave up a takedown with nine seconds to go. Um, nine. Just insane. It was weird. Nolf did not look like Nolf. Um, and he honestly, he hasn't looked like Nolf for a long time. And I'm talking about Nolf's peak Nolf. Um, Optimized Nolf. I have right. not seen for a while at NCAs. He almost got beat by Hayden Hydley, um, which is kind of unheard of. I don't know what's going on with Nolf, but um, I think there's some stuff that needs to be figured out there. Um, and again, yeah, he had nine seconds to go. Um, James Green was kind of in like a double, but in pretty bad position, and he kind of just dragged Nolf down to the ground. If Nolf just stepped out, it's, it's really weird to say um, if Nolf just stepped out he would have won. Right. It seems like it's way, it's a lot easier said than done. Um, yeah. But it was weird the way that Nolf gave that up. Like, you look at Nolf and you say, unreal, he's not human. Um, but at the U.S. Open and even NCAAs, um, he looked very human. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, this goes hand in hand with this match with um, Pantaleo was in the first period, Alec, Pantelio scored two step outs and two takedowns. So Nolf was going into the second, losing 6 0. Um, yeah. And then he came back and um, what was the final score? Did. Of Nolf Pantelio? Yeah. It was 10 to 6. 10 to 6. He came back and he scored 10 points. But, like, he just wasn't even close to scoring before, you know, a minute and a half left in the second period. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why Nolf isn't optimized, but hopefully he can get that under control. I would imagine that Cam will have him ready for Final X. Or, I mean, he has to be ready for World Team Trials. Who would yeah. have expected that it'll be Nolf Green? Uh, no, one, no one would have called it. Nobody. Um, Absolutely insane. What was your favorite match from 70? From uh, 70 would have to be Deacon Green. I mean, that one was just fireworks everywhere it was um an eight to six match with a takedown um shot clock takedown 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 uh, or some turns in there takedown turn takedown takedown step out absolutely insane um i mean 14 points put up on the board just right. so fun to watch so fun um i think i think my favorite match was probably deacon green too um my biggest surprise from 70 kilograms was Jason Olf giving up the two rather than one in the final nine. Um, and like they said on FRL yesterday, which I suggest you'll listen to for more in-depth you know, review, but our senior level guys are not very good at holding off or holding on to a lead, especially with short time. Um, and I don't know why that is. I don't know why that is. 
um, but we're just not very good at it. Sam, who stays on top? Man, this one's tough because um, now we've got three guys that are right there to, to make the world team. And my gut says North, but because of what he's looked like, I'm just going to go with Green. Um, and because I don't have any evidence to say that North beats Green, because Green has beat him the last two times. Um, and then Deacon, I just feel like uh, he's not going to get either one of these guys in a best two out of three. Right. Right. I think um, I think Nolf's going to come back. He was right there. Um, maybe he had a little tech, some technical issues that he can fix. But I think I think Nolf's going to win. Really? Um, yeah, I do. I have faith. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can go along with that. 74. Let's see. Pretty. It was pretty straightforward. I think it played out almost... It played out pretty, pretty darn near scratch, um, or chalk, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Here, um, do you have anything to say about seventy four, Sam? Yeah, the the weight wasn't too entertaining. It was Imar Gant in the finals, and it was that match was in itself, in and of itself, was pretty fun. But um, it kind of just went, like you said, chalk. It was went exactly as it um, predicted. Um, mm-hmm. I I want to ask you, what do you think it'll take for Imar to succeed? Like, um, obviously he's got JB in the weight, but what can he do to kind of prove himself on the world level? So kind of like a comparison, Daringer was at 74 for a long time when Dake and Burroughs were there, but he was making a splash and going on a bunch of our right. teams, and he was beating up a lot of the, the international guys. Is there any competitions from now until um, Final X? Is Wait, is... Uh, is Imar at final lecture? He qualify for world team trials. Uh, he's in the world team trials finals. But okay. are there any competitions I, from here to then? Um, well, May six beat the streets. Um, he won't be wrestling in that. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, I don't think there are. So the I last think chance qualifier. Yeah, I think that was really the probably the biggest thing Imar could do is just as much wrestling as much like overseas competition as you can get in um obviously you can't anymore ran out of time but that would probably be the the big thing because you know you can be as ready as you can ever be to wrestle a foreigner but it's just Mm -hmm. really different when you're out there on the mat yeah for sure um how close um do you say imar's ever going to make it to burroughs will he ever have like a nine eight match with him or something no no, uh, no chance. I think, um, I think at the, the closest will be is like maybe a five point four point difference, but I don't ever think it's going to be a tight match. Yeah, I would agree. Um, just something to think about: how far is Imar from being at the top level, and is yeah. he next after Burroughs? Is he next? Uh, I think I think right now I think he is. Um, we just gotta. We don't know. I don't know any college guys who might be coming up or graduating soon. Well, I get to see uh, Imar versus Makai. Mm, well, never mind. Makai Lewis. I don't know. That don't one. Know. That that would be such a fun match. It's gonna be good. Man. Um. Yeah. That. Uh. You want? What? What was your favorite match from '74? 
Um, I liked Gant Valencia. I don't. I liked. I saw a bunch of clips from it. I don't. I didn't watch the entire match. Um, but it looked exciting. I really. I like Anthony Valencia a lot, and I'm glad that we're starting to see him. Like I don't want to say pull himself together, but we're starting to see a better Anthony Valencia than we have previously. What about you? Um, mine would be Imar Gant. Um, just because of the high level wrestling that went on in that. Um, the two guys made it to the finals, doing great. Um, and they're really really high level wrestlers, and I can't wait to see them again. There again, there wasn't too much entertainment in this bracket, um, but. It was still really fun to watch that final match. Oh, yeah. It was great. Sam, what was your biggest surprise from 74? Uh, biggest surprise? It'd have to be Anthony Valencia, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a guy who didn't place at NCAAs, and then he kind of took a year off for medical reasons this year. Um, I mean, he went through some guys that are really tough. He beat Evan Wick, who um, was amazing. I mean, he beat up. Alex Marinelli, number one seed NCAAs this year. Um, I mean, Evan Wick is one of the top guys in college right now. Right, and for sure. And Valencia beat him. And then he had a close, um, close-ish match with Gant, uh, 11-5. And Gant is one of the best guys in the weight. Yeah, for sure. And he went out there, beat Dan Valamont 10-1, and then beat Logan Massa 4-4. Right. That is very impressive for He's, a guy who um, did not play NCAAs. I think I think that's probably the biggest surprise too. Um, other than that, maybe Imar's separation from the field. Like he's, I think it's clear that he's the second best guy. So, yeah, he's one of the very best guys in the entire weight. So for sure. Um, and even though like the the match says it's it was six to four in the finals, like can't throw him with no time left. Imar really d- dominated the entire thing. Um, but. I think that Jordan Burroughs is going to stay on top. Um, I think he's going to be our representative this year at 74 kilograms. He's got to be. He's got to be. We need him. Mm-hmm. Um, 79. Let's see. Probably run through this one. Yeah. Not, there wasn't a ton to talk about. It all pretty much played out how we, how we expected it to. Um, but Daringer, is, he's, he's on another level. That's he that's really just, is. that's just a fact of the matter. Um, he's right there with Dake. You know, he uh, he obliterated Marsteller. Um, and I think that like right now there isn't a ton of depth at seventy nine, but hopefully the future of seventy nine is going to be it's going to be super deep. So like we're gonna have Daringer who'll probably come up, Mark Hall, Sahid Valencia. Alex Facundo, like, it's going to be, it's going to be really deep. For We're sure. Just... Um, and, I mean, we've got Kyle Dake right now. Mm-hmm. At a world champ who um, had no one score a point on him last year. And then behind him, Daringer, who um, has just dominated some world-level competition. He's oh, right yeah. there with Dake. And he's a little bit younger, so we'll have him for a little while, hopefully. Right. And behind him, you got Hall and Valencia waiting to take that spot. Um, Hall, a multiple-time junior world champ, and Valencia was right there. Um, he beat up Daringer last year, and he was he right did. there with Kyle Dake. And then behind that, like the high school guy, Alex Facundo, hopefully he'll grow. And I'm looking uh, looking at him to be our, I don't know, uh, next generation 79 kilo. Nice. What's your favorite match from 79? 
and 79 would have to be Ringer Marsteller, just because it, it was, this is going to be a funny, but um, it was the highest level of domination in the tournament. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So it was like, it wasn't just like first round, a guy rolls him up, but it was like finals, a guy rolls him up. Yeah, he got like, it was a takedown a turn, and then a takedown, and then like a bunch of turns in a row. <laughs> Ollie, it was it was just you just like rolled them over and over and over and over. It was just it was it, he made it look really really easy. It only took him a minute and ten seconds to um he got a takedown, a turn, a turn, a turn, a turn, and um and then another turn. Fascinating. Wow. Well, it was actually not another turn because he was already attacked, but it must <laughs> they must have awarded extra points. <laughs> That's funny. So I think that was pro- also probably my biggest surprise is just Daringer's just how easy he turned Chance Marsteller. Yeah, kind of going off that, my biggest surprise would probably be uh, Daringer's top game. I mean, we we never really see that, but he's been able to adjust off that dump that he does so well. Oh yeah. Um, he's been able to adjust off that dump right into a turn, and um, usually picks up a trapped arm because of that already trapped arm with his dump that he has yeah that he can just turn right into a trapped arm gut dump is a great great move in freestyle you know if you do it well you can get four and then you can keep the arm get a trap arm and you know wrap it up and imagine a minute and 10 seconds yeah that's it so um i still think kyle dake's gonna stay on top it's just kyle dake's gonna represent us at worlds again this year but um yep hmm. yeah i gotta go along with that and I think he's going to dominate again. Um, I really hope he does because uh, yeah. I want USA to win another world title as a team. Same, same. Taking this will seconds be a good year sucks. To do it too. Taking seconds you know, sucks. It does. You know, at the beginning of the year, I thought we wouldn't have that strong of a team because of the Olympic weight and everybody moving around. Right. But really, we didn't see much moving around. No, Our not good at all. Our guys stayed at their weight. Yeah. Um, I agree. So let's see. 86. Pat Downey. Downey. You know, PD3. He's pretty darn awesome. He's really cool. Um, I cannot wait for him to, like, to see him in the future and just how he continues to change and evolve as a wrestler. Um, and you had a thought about the, the big throws? Yeah, so I'm kind of wondering. Um, I haven't seen that many like big throws affect the freestyle matches and stuff. Um, but kind of just for example, uh, Ness Molinero, Brewer Megalutis, Downey Heflin, and Arujal Fix was um, all matches that were, um, Arujal Fix wasn't really decided by the big throw, but the rest of them were absolutely decided by one big throw. Um, and I never really see that. And I'm mm. kind of interested to see how much throwing is going to affect our freestyle in our country. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm excited for the future of that. Same. Um, hmm. Let's see. Downey beat uh, Miles Martin in the semis. Yeah. Um, after losing 7-0 with uh, not, there was very, very, very little time left yeah. on the clock. As time was, was going out, he was turning. It was literally a minute and a half left. Downey hadn't come close to scoring a point, and he comes mm-hmm. back with a push out. A takedown, a takedown, a turn, and a turn to come back and win the match 9-7. I think that was my um, favorite match from 86. Just him coming back from this huge deficit, but, you know, got it done. Yeah, for sure. 
You know, one thought I have on uh, Miles Martin, um, I think he's got another gear that he needs to be able to get to consistently. Like, he's beaten Bo Nickel twice. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he's got another gear. I mean, he scored uh, seven points on Pat Downey. One thing that he might need is the Olympic Training Center. Um, and while I think the Ohio Regional Training Center is great for him right now, um, I think if he wants to get to that next level, and I think if he wants to be able to be beating those guys, mm-hmm. um, I believe he needs the OTC. Similar to uh, Jaden Cox's move, um, where he was winning bronze medals um, wrestling at Missouri, but he decided that he wanted to be a world champ. And in order to do that, he had to get to the OTC and do every little thing right. He had to eat right. And he had to have the right coaches, the right partners um, for that transition. Um, nothing against Missouri and nothing against Ohio State. I just believe that that move would be the right thing for Miles Martin. I agree. I agree. Um, let's see. Also at 86, Sammy Brooks, um, along with the rest of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club class, they are all improving so much. You know, Gilman and Clark and Sorensen and Brooks, like, they, they're they all just jumping levels. And it, you can tell. You can tell. Yeah, I mean, those guys were high level in college. <coughs> but th- after college, they, when they started to kind of focus on freestyle, they found the right weights for them, and they found what they needed to do um, to be successful at freestyle. And they, they found it. Mm-hmm. Those four guys have really found what they need to do, and they've, be, they've been much more successful in freestyle than they have in folk style. Right. Um, so what was your favorite match, Sam? It'd have to be P3 Heflin. Um, I'd rather throw you than know you. It was, uh, <laughs> it was a throw fest, so fun to watch, just big moves everywhere. Um, would have guessed it was Greco. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I think my favorite match was probably PD3 Martin because, like, he wasn't even close. You could base anyone could have picked Miles Martin to win it at that moment. Um, and no one would have thought, like, they were crazy or anything because he was just destroying them. He was destroying them. But PD3, like, he just stuck with it and came out on top. Yeah. Uh, um, his confidence in the NJRTC. Um, it's just awesome. It's been propelling him to a U.S. Open title, which um, he hasn't really been that close to. And now this year, he 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 took it. Um, right. The unattached assassin is now attached and confident. Yeah, um, I think that those coaches are great to him, um, and he's he's really going to be showing up, and I'm excited for his future. Right. So, shame on me, but I didn't like I knew about Pat Downey, and I knew that he was good, but I didn't know he was, like, N- Miles Martin, Nick Heflin type good. Like, so that was, it was just a surprise to see him, to see him win it, just because I didn't, I didn't know he was that good. Yeah, um, for sure. And, um, a- again, I believe that the NJRTC is so good for mm-hmm. Pat Downey. It's doing the right things for him. Um, that confidence in doing the right things is exactly what he needs. Right. Um, actually, in 2017, he um, wrestled Bo Nickel and got teched in the first period 12-2. to two. Wow. Um, and he's just on another level from then. Yeah. He's doing so much better. Mm. Okay. Sam, I think, um, 
I think that even though Pat Downey the third is looking really, really good, I still think David Taylor is going to stay on top, um, especially oh, after after this dominant Pan Ams. Like he re- he he wrestled good guys, um, and he just he blew them apart. Um, but that's I think I'm just going to continue picking Magic Man. No reason not to. No reason not to. Hmm. Okay. 92 kilograms. Let's see. What do we got? Bo Nickel is just... He's just ahead of the field. He He's just taking leaps and bounds. Um, and he, he wasn't... Like... I saw a tweet that said... Um, Bo Nickel has the best lefty high C in the entire country. Um, and... I think it. I think it's right because he was all over Zilmer's legs the entire time, um, which you know leads us to believe that Bo and Jaden Cox. It's gonna be fireworks. It's gonna be so good. Um, believe that's that's final at Rutgers. Pretty sure. Yes, it is. So yeah, I'm super excited for that. Um, so what was your favorite match, Sam from '92? Um. My favorite match would be Bo Machiavello, just because I believe Machiavello is right in there with him. Again, Machiavello was right there um, at the Dan Kolov, mm-hmm. and he's been looking great um, so far in freestyle, especially. He won a national title his senior year in folk style, but once he started focusing on freestyle, he just made so many jumps. And so I really believe that Machiavello is going to be in there with Bo Nickel. And Bo Nickel proved that no. <laughs> yeah. No, Machiavello wasn't as good as him. And, um, I mean, it was 14-4 to four Tech in the second period with a minute and 48 seconds to go. He teched him. Um, and it was pretty much dominant. Machiavello was able to get two takedowns. Um, but, but still, it was Bo with 14 points, right. which is fascinating. That both yeah. can do that to an NCAA champ. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, I think the biggest surprise from '86 or '92, excuse me, um, it really was like Bo's separation f- from the field, just because Jaden Cox had a five-two match with Zilmer, um, the first round at Final X last year. Um, the second round he teched him with an ankle ace, but like Zilmer's very, very good, and Bo, de- Bo destroyed him for the most part. Um, but that's, I think that would really surprised me the most. I thought it was going to be a little tighter. Yeah. Um, I expected it to be a very tight match just because of Zilmer's body type um, and just what he was able to do with Cox. He's so long and he's got that Greco ability. I thought it'd be a lot closer, but no, Bo, um, he put it on him and he showed that, yeah, I'm ready for, I'm ready for Jaden Cox at Final X, um, and that makes me so excited for the Final X match. Right. Um, just can't wait to see that happen. I think that Bo Nickel will beat Jaden Cox at Final X Rutgers 2019. Wow, that's a bold statement. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go the other way. I'm going to say Cox beats Bo because of his athleticism and time spent on the freestyle scene. Mm. Um. Bo lost to Heflin at the U.S. Open in 2017. Um, I just feel like he's he's not quite there. I mean, Cox was a world champ last year, 
and Bo has done nothing to prove that he's on that level. Right. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. I think that teching Hayden Zilmer is, is a pretty good indicator, I would say. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Well, we'll see. You know, final X Records, uh, June 8th. 97, hmm. It, it basically played, played out a pretty much chalk, um, I think with the exception of, um, I don't know, Honus beat Walls 11-3, yeah. pretty bad. Honus's tournament was super, super surprising, and um, probably the talk of that weight was his wrestling in freestyle was, was awesome. And again, this is freestyle weights seem to be perfect for the college guys getting to bump up a little bit of weight right um so that they can be big during the summer and you know what i believe that guys are a lot better wrestlers when they when they try to bulk up and we saw that with honest this Mm -hmm. weekend um i agree so i think my favorite match was honest walls is it honest or honus um i believe that he told one of the flow guys that it was pronounced honest Okay. Well, I think my favorite match was Hannes Walls. Just, um, I just like, it was a good match. That's what. what was your favorite match? My favorite match was uh, the finals, Hannes Gadsen. Mm. Um, just because I love seeing college guys wrestle at that highest level. I love seeing the college guys wrestle the best guys to see um, how good the college weights really are. Right. I agree. So I think the biggest surprise was um, Hannes, you know, nearly, yeah, he was two points away from a tech over Walls, which is crazy because Walls was the two seed. Um, just showing that kind of separation from the from the field there. What was your biggest surprise? Um, yeah, very similar, um, Ben Hannes, on the freestyle scene. Um, I did not expect that. Um, he was not an NCAA champ, not an NCAA finalist, really not that high um, on the college scene. But um, just like Deacon, he showed up at U.S. Open at a great weight for him, and he was able to uh, to do really, really well. Mm-hmm, I agree. Um, Sam, I think that Kyle Snyder is still going to stay on top. Yeah, um, I would agree. I, yeah, I don't, I don't know why not. <laughs> he still is going to stay on top. He will. Um, let's go to 125. Let's do that. Um, you want to Adam Kuhn? Um, yeah, a big scary name, scary man named Adam is waiting for a poor victim in the finals of World Team Trials. That whoever makes it there, um. Unless it's possibly Anthony Kassar who goes out and wrestles. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, unless it's Anthony Kassar, it's absolutely going to need to be um, Adam Kuhn, Gwizdowski at Final X. Right. Who do you have there? Um, Adam Kuhn and Gwizdowski. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Gwiz just because of how technically sound he is. Yeah. Um, what he's able to do, I believe, is what's going to um, propel him. To win that match, just like last year. I agree. I agree. What was your um? What was your favorite match? 
My favorite match had to have been um, Coon White. Um, and again, just like last time, getting to see those college guys at the higher level um, is something that really excites me. Mm-hmm. I think so. I, th- I agree with you. Um, I think my favorite match was probably Coon Nelson. Um, just because I love Adam Coon. I love him so much. He's awesome. <laughs> He's so dedicated to like everything he does. He really um, is. But I, I liked watching that match a lot. Hmm. What was your what was the biggest I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, what was the biggest surprise from 125? Um, you know, there weren't really that many surprises. It basically went chalk. Um, but one would be Nelson over Bradley. It was the three seed beating the two seed. Um, just a little bit interesting that he had that. I picked Bradley to to get second, um, mm-hmm. but I was wrong. So that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, Nelson over Bradley was probably the biggest surprise for me, too. Um, mm-hmm. Well, look at that. I think we've gone through 10 weights. That was uh, very, that was a lot of it, uh, content right there. Yeah, it took us about but, an hour. Yeah, about an hour. Well, we're not done yet. Because on last show, we teased over to, we, got, we had some really great questions that we didn't get to. Um, so our, the first one that we're going to finish answering. Um, so Sam Solzny asked us, what are your guys' wrestling aspirations? And have you ever shot a gun? Well, we have both shot and guns. But here's our, here's our answers for the wrestling aspirations. Um, Sam, take it away. Yeah. I definitely love this question. Um, this is something I believe that might be different about me than others. A lot of people write down literal goals or think about winning thus and such tournaments or going undefeated at some duels. But I'm not sure if it's right or wrong, but for me, I don't really have those aspirations. I just love wrestling and desire to perfect it. I love wrestling and learning new techniques. Um, I love wrestling, and I love going to practice to improve my abilities of my passion. I love waking up early so that I can go running, thus making me better at the sport I love. Don't get me wrong, I do have dreams. Um, I, I do desire to wrestle at the highest level, and I hope my love and passion for the sport will take me to and through college, um, college wrestling. So maybe my goals are to challenge myself every day and improve as much as I can. Um, what about you? Um, for the most part, my answer is a lot of the same stuff Sam said. Um, I love wrestling, and I just want to stay involved in the sport as long as possible. Um, whether it's going to be coaching or going to matches um, or like just supporting the community with you know this podcast. One of the top things on my list is going to be raising my children, hopefully if I have children, to love wrestling as much as I do. Because one of the greatest impacts on my dad, me and my dad's relationship, is our mutual love for wrestling. Um, and I just want to have that kind of relationship with my kids. Um, but also, like, practically, I want to use my scholarship, or I want to use my wrestling to get me a scholarship um, for a D1 school. Um, I want to use my wrestling to support me and my family um, and just uh, and getting me a good education at a good school is, it'll help me a lot. Um, but short term, I think my wrestling aspirations are really just to improve myself day in and day out 
and, and make active decisions to get better at wrestling. But I think that's pretty much my answer. Yeah, that was a great question. And it kind of makes you think about um, why are we doing this sport and why are we so involved in this sport? Um, I really appreciate that question. Yeah, thank you so much, Sam Snee. Um, <laughs> let's see. So our good friend Tony Rotundo, also, he also sent us a question that we didn't get to. Um, and it's a three-parter, so it has, number one, how did uh, you guys, meaning us, how did we meet? Two, who are the biggest up-and-coming youth wrestlers that will make the biggest high school and college impact? And three, which legacy wrestlers, childrens of blue-chip wrestlers and coaches, should we be watching out for? Example, Nelson Brands. So, Sam, well, what is your answer? Actually, wait, I have the answer to the first one. Sorry. Yeah, you go ahead and answer that first one. I'll answer um, the second and third as best you can, as best as I can. So, it's kind of funny. Um, I got on Twitter probably September about, and I um, I didn't follow very many people. I only had maybe ten followers, almost nobody. And I noticed that this guy Sam Herring would always be. He would always like tweet during the day like he was always on twitter and i had a feeling he was a wrestler and i kind of knew that he was a kid just just the way that he acted and so i sent him a dm and i was like hey i'm jude swisher i'm a wrestler um at state college i'm a high school student um and you're on you're on twitter all the time are you on are you on homeschooled or something or are you homeschooled and he's like oh yeah 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 and so we started talking turns out we both love wrestling and um we actually both went to the same homeschool co-op um like we both used the same curriculum basically um which was interesting but you know we talked for several months just about wrestling and how much we loved it and stuff like that and i just kind of threw an idea at him i was like hey what if we had a podcast where we could just talk about stuff like this and it was like, yeah, haha, ha, and you know, funny joke. But we never actually thought it was gonna happen. At least I didn't. But then um one one day Sam just kinda he sent me a link to this podcast making app. It's called Anchor. It's what we make all of our podcasts from. Um and he's like, Hey, just take a look, see. And uh we looked at it and it was um it was really good. Like it, it was easy to use. We just recorded our audio, slap it on there, and it uploads it to everywhere. So that's, you know, we just kind of threw around the idea. One thing led to another. You know, here we are. Yeah. And that's so that's about it. So funny that that's how we met. Now we're doing a podcast that yes. we've never actually met in person. Never. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, you answer the other question, Sam. Yeah. So the second question is, uh, I'll just read it again. Who are the biggest upcoming youth wrestlers that will make the biggest high school and college impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have three, four answers. Um, and I'm not going to talk too long about this. Um, but I'll start with Bo and Keegan Bassett, Seth Mendoza, and Cody Chittum. Um, Bo and Keegan Bassett are two kids that I'm pretty good friends with. They live in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. They wrestle for young guns. Um, Seth Mendoza is from around Chicago, Illinois. He's pretty close around my weight. Um, and he is very, very good, and I think he will be very good later on. Um, and then the last one is Cody Chittum. He lives in Cleveland, Tennessee. Um, he trains with Dan Dennis very commonly. That's how I got in contact with him. 
and he will be going to Blair High School. He's around 126 pounds. Um, and so the reason I picked these three kids or four kids, I guess, um, is just because of not because of how good they are now, but because of how much they love wrestling and how much I believe um, that they will spend time in later on in life to make themselves right. the best wrestler they can be. Mm -hmm. So I don't actually, I would love to answer this question, but I don't know of any youth wrestlers, I guess I could say, who are of that level. Um, and I guess it's just, it's just because I only wrestle high schoolers, really. Um, but I'm, I'm sorry, youth wrestlers, that I know that I'm not <laughs> saying your name. Um, but well, how about number three? Which, which legacy wrestlers? Um, I've got <coughs> one. It's the cousin of Zahid and Anthony Valencia. His name is Aiden Valencia. He's about uh, 85, 90 pounds. He's, uh, oh. he's really good from California. He's won a bunch of tournaments. Um, I'd be looking out for him. Uh, in high school and college, I think he's going to be very, very good. Yeah, I know that. For my answer here is um, Hayden and Asher Cunningham. Really good kids. Uh, they wrestle at M two with me. They're the uh, sons of Casey Cunningham, assistant head coach at Penn State. Um, really, uh, they're great guys. Really like them, and they're very, very good. So let's see. I think that about does it. For this, you know, mega long show of Home at Advantage Wrestling Podcast. Um, Sam, thank you so much. It was really fun. Yes, it was. Um, um it's been a it's been a blast. Uh I would like so to remind our listeners. Questions. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so going along that line, I know you're getting to the questions. Um but because we had those two questions asked already and we had so much to talk about from the U.S. Open, we have not sent out the tweet asking for questions from you guys. Um, but hopefully we will for our next show. Yeah. Um, previewing Beat the Streets. And um, we hope you guys get to listen to our podcast later. Yeah. Um, so the, I believe the plan is now because we Beat the Streets is on Monday, I believe. We didn't get to talk about Beat the Streets on this show. So I think the plan is we're going to have a special bonus Beat the Streets focused episode on Saturday. I think that's our plan. Um, and we're just going to talk about Beat the Streets and stuff like that. And we may send out a questions tweet um, maybe, I don't know, Thursday. See what, see what, we'll see what happens. Want to do that? Um, please send us questions, comments, concerns. Uh, I don't know. What, what, send things to our email, hmadadvantage at gmail.com, or Twitter at hma underscore pod. Um, but I think, I think that's about it, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much. For sure. Um, yeah, so that's a wrap for uh, episode six, and thanks again for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you guys so much.